please join me in our litany of invitation and confession. We come together for the worship of God. We come in gratitude and in need of grace. We have heard and experienced God's steadfast love. Through the life of Jesus Christ, we see the life and love of God. We come to worship rejoicing, wondering, wandering, professing, and confessing. We come seeking a fresh start. We ask for God's forgiveness and help to begin again. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, God meets us where we are. God has forgiven us. God comes to us in the pains of life and brings strength and peace. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. You may be seated. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church on the special day that our children will call us to worship. They will have, uh, they'll bring their voices and speak of this season that is about to come to pass. Their songs are going to be about blessing and about thanksgiving. And we surely need both of those. Our littlest choir will sing first. And I will get out of the way so Miss Mary Lou might be.
Beyond the calamities of the present day, the prophet Isaiah anticipated the gift of God's creative grace and fresh joy. The first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, beginning with verse 17. For I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. Nor no more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another one eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Here ends the first reading. <coughs> Will you join your hearts with me in prayer? Eternal God, in this season of thanks, we do give thanks. We give you thanks for life itself and for all that which renders life rich and fulfilling. Loving family and friends, good health, meaningful work. Yet this is not only a season of thanks, it is also a season of anxiety, dare we say calamity. We read the headlines and know that there is great flooding in Venice while there are wildfire, 
fires in the United States and drought around the world. We read about civil unrest in Bolivia and Hong Kong and Lebanon and Iran and France and Chile. We hear about ongoing violence in Israel and Palestine and Ireland and Ukraine and El Salvador, Honduras and Guatemala. We read about oppression and current day slavery in many parts of the world, including Atlanta. Eternal God, protect our hearts from becoming hard. Save us from thick-skinned apathy and ears that refuse to hear any more bad news. Heal our nearsightedness that focuses only on our personal worries about our children or our parents or our own health and well-being. A nearsightedness that somehow doesn't perceive the children, parents, or health and well-being of refugees and immigrants, of those fleeing violence in their home countries or in their homes, of those who are seeking greater opportunities like those that we routinely enjoy. As we make out our Thanksgiving guest list or make travel plans to join with family and friends and prepare menus and grocery lists for a table laden with good food, help us be mindful of the lonely, of those who do not have an invitation or a family to spend the holiday with. Help us to be mindful, but not only mindful, but handful and heartful for those who lack good food and a warm home, such that we not only give them thoughts and prayers, but that we might also help take care of their basic needs. Remind us, O oh God, that we are called into being as your people, to live under your reign. Help us to live every day in the reign of God, such that it might expand throughout the earth. All this we do pray in the name of and through Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, Not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. reading from the letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat everyone, anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked, tonight, we worked night and day so that we may not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Here ends the second lesson. I'd like to invite all the children to come forward. And if y'all will sit right here today, I'm going to sit on the step and I want you to sit right here in front of me where you can look at me. Because I have a book to read to you today. Okay? So everybody sit down here, not on the step. If you're on a step, move down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, it's so good to see you today. What beautiful voices you brought today to lead worship. I loved you singing today, and I think everybody else did too. Hey, I have a book to read you today, and this is a book that a friend of mine sent me the name of, Miss Nancy Hall. She sent me the name of this book, and I read it with Leah this weekend, and I wanted to share it with you. This is a book about being a friend, but more than being a friend, being kind, and out of that kindness, being a friend to someone who really needs it because they might be sad. And it's a very good book. So will you listen? It's called The Rabbit Listened. One day, Taylor decided to build something. Something new. Something special. Something amazing. Taylor was so proud. But then, out of nowhere, things came crashing down. The chicken was the first to notice. Cluck, cluck, what a shame. I'm so sorry, sorry this happened. Let's talk, talk, talk about it, cluck, cluck. But Taylor didn't feel like talking, so the chicken left. Next came the bear. Gar, rar, how horrible. I bet you feel so angry. Let's shout about it. Arr! But Taylor didn't feel like shouting. So 
the bear left. The elephant knew just what to do. I can fix this. We just need to remember exactly the way things were. But Taylor didn't feel like remembering. So the elephant also left. One by one they came. The hyena, hee hee, let's laugh about it. The ostrich, whoop, let's hide and pretend nothing happened. The kangaroo, tiss tiss, what a mess. Let's throw it all away. And the snake, shh, let's go knock down someone else's. That snake. But Taylor didn't feel like doing anything with anybody. So eventually, they all left until Taylor was alone. In the quiet, Taylor didn't even notice the rabbit, but it moved closer and closer until Taylor could feel its warm body. Together they sat in silence until Taylor said, please stay with me. The rabbit listened. The rabbit listened as Taylor talked, and the rabbit listened as Taylor shouted. The rabbit listened as Taylor remembered and laughed. The rabbit listened to Taylor's plans to hide, to throw everything away, to ruin things for someone else. <coughs> Through it all, the rabbit never left. And when the time was right, the rabbit listened to Taylor's plan to build again. I can't wait, Taylor said. It's going to be amazing. So even though Taylor had a really bad day and he ended up feeling all alone because he didn't really want to do anything like anyone else wanted to do anything, the rabbit, he didn't try to come fix it. He didn't try to come do anything. He just listened to Taylor in his very bad day. And I think maybe this rabbit, he's a good friend to us, just like Jesus is a good friend to us. No matter how we feel, how bad what we were building got knocked over, or how sad we feel about things that might happen to us or around us, we always know that Jesus is going to be our friend and listen and be there to just be with us, however we are. And I think we can learn something from Jesus and from our rabbit friend. We can be like that for each other. So if your friend has a really bad day, or they built something and it really came crashing over, maybe don't try and fix it, or try to tell them it'll all be okay, or we'll just start again. Maybe just be their friend. Because Jesus always wants to be our friend. And we can be like that too for each other. Okay? Let's all say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for the friends that we have in you and in each other. Help us to always be the kind of friend that, we need, that others need wherever we are. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go. If you're small, let's go with Miss Mary Lou and Miss Linda and Miss Asia. And if you're big, you can go sit back with your parents. <laughs>
Jesus encourages trust and endurance, though it feels like the end times. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the 21st chapter, beginning with the 5th verse. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and siblings, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it is our tradition to always say thanks be to God after these Gospel lessons. But it's all right. It's all right with me if you want to say after a text like today, the gospel of the Lord, you go, really? Are you sure? I mean, this is an awful text, I want to be honest about it. Uh, sure, the electionary designers who know that we are approaching the season of Thanksgiving. Can you hear me? A little bit? No? Well? Let's take a moment. Uh, I will, uh, oh, there we go. Is that better? All right. This is an awful text. Uh, oh, I've already said that. Uh, it is an awful text. Thanksgiving's on its way. Some of you already have mom and pop 
uh, Pilgrim salt shakers and pepper shakers out on the, the table. Some have already aligned your uh, uh, Pandora cube with a way in a manger hymnody. It's a troublesome text, and we may as well just read this week's news. If we're going to hear about earthquakes and famine and wars and pestilence and all of that. To me, it, this is one of those, for, for we who grew up in the South, it's like one of those billboards that's written in a fiery font. You know, it says, repent, the end times are coming. Well, these are about the end times, according to the text. And I think of something that uh, two of J.R.R. Tolkien's characters said to each other. One was the young adventurer who said, I wish all this didn't happen in my time. <coughs> and then the mentor responds, so do I, and so do all of us who live in these times, but we don't choose our times. All we can choose is what to do with the time we have. Thank you, Frodo and Gandalf, the wizard. All we can do is choose what to do with the time we have. This was, I think, the question on the minds of the Christians in Thessalonica that you heard uh, read from in the epistle lesson. They were wondering, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a congregation? Some of them had packed and moved to the hillside, took a suitcase and a backpack with them and said, all right, we're ready, Jesus. Come and get us. Some had packed, others were participating, others were panicking, and there were some who were apathetic. Pretty much like a lot of Christians and churches in this day. The Thessalonians had mistaken pilgrims for tourists, and being a congregation with being an audience. Like Gandalf wondered, what we have to choose is what we do with the times that we have. What we do, we would say, for God's sake. So the Thessalonian congregation had to make a choice, as do we, as do every generation. When tough times come, we feel a responsibility to do something good for God's sake, and then to trust God in the meanwhile. That's hard to do in this place and time, I think, uh, I was talking two weeks ago to a friend of mine who is a fellow grandfather, a little older than I. He said, I speak with one of my granddaughters uh, for an hour on the phone once a month. She lives in Boston. We call and I say, she has one question and I have one question, and we talk. Her job in Boston is to prepare Boston for the rising sea level. Sea level of Boston Harbor over the past century has risen 11 inches due to thermal expansion of seawater and the melting of distant ice sheets. Conservative projections for Boston that by 2050, which is 31 years away, that it's going to be a foot taller and then by the end of the century, four feet taller. How will the storm surges, how will the rising and heated water affect that city? What kind of world is it that we live in, and how do we live in the times in which we are given? Well, we don't want to be tourists either, just passing through. 
We don't want to be colonists seeking to control the culture that we settle in. But rather, seems to me, the theme of the New Testament is to be stewards. Stewards of the, the gospel of Gandalf. That is, how do we make the best decisions we can in the time that we are given? Like these early churches, it's not the end times turned out for them, but it wasn't the beginning times either. It was the meantime, like the time we live in. What set this gospel story in motion was an institution. When Jesus looked at the blocks and building stones of the institution, he said, this isn't going to be here very long. No institution will last eternally. Only God will. So what do we do in the meanwhile? In a few minutes, uh, George and Daniel are going to roll out that screen right here, and we're going to watch a video in worship. Now, there are two things about that. One, you'll need to get where you can see. And number two, when you listen, listen for the sound of people rolling over in their graves. <laughs> and you'll be able to hear it. You won't even need to put your ear to the ground. You'll hear it. We're going to do that. It's the Finance Committee's idea because it speaks of we are a church that you don't just attend but you attend to. Audiences attend, but congregations, well, they attend to being in the presence of God and one another. To be a Christian congregation these days is to be courageous, to speak our voice, and take countercultural action. I thought about trying to find a story that gathers this together, and I remembered one that heard a long time ago. It's called the Rabbi's Gift. It goes that there was this monastery that had fallen on hard times. The abbot, the leader of the monastery, had gotten discouraged. A lot of the membership of the uh, monastery, the monks, the brothers, had fallen away and died off. There were only just a handful left. And nobody seemed to like one another. They didn't like to work among each other in the field. They felt that their prayers never made it past the ceiling, and they were all discouraged. But one day, the abbot had an idea. The idea was, I need to go talk with the rabbi who walks in the woods. Because surrounding the monastery in the woods, there was a rabbi who lived in a small hermitage, a little house in the woods. And each day about dusk, he would be seen walking around the monastery saying his prayers. None of the brothers knew him, but they took great comfort in him just being there. The abbot said, I know, I'll go talk to the rabbi. Maybe he has some advice for me. And so he made his journey. To his surprise, when he got to the door of the, the hermitage, there was the rabbi with his arms outstretched as if he had been waiting for the abbot. The abbot came in, they sat at table, they broke bread, they opened scriptures and studied, they said their prayers, and they wept. Both wept about what was happening to the institutions in which they worked. The abbot for the monastery that wasn't doing so well, and the rabbi for the synagogue in the village. He said, people don't come to synagogue like they once did. 
And after they wept, the abbot said, well, is there anything you can say to me to carry back to the brothers at the monastery? And the rabbi thought about it a moment, and he said, yes, tell them this. And they can only speak it once. Once you tell them, it's never to be said aloud again. And what you need to tell them is this. The Messiah is among you. Well, the abbot goes back to the monastery. The brothers gather around. What did he say, they asked. And the uh, abbot said, well, he said a very strange thing. And he said that it can only be said once and cannot be said by anyone again here. So listen, the rabbi said, the Messiah is among you. That night, all of the monks went back to their individual cells, but nobody slept because they were thinking, what did the rabbi mean? The Messiah is among us. And they began to think, well, who might it be? One thought, well, it could be Brother Thomas. He's uh, grumpy in the mornings, but you know, he has a heart for God. Another said, it, it could be Brother Samuel. You know, he uh, is no fun to work with, but, but when he prays, it is like poetry. And they began to imagine which one of them must be the Messiah. They looked at each other differently at breakfast, had their meals together, prayed together, and all the time they started treating one another with more respect. After all, you never know which one is the Messiah, so all have to be respected, and nobody remembers exactly when. But at some point, the townspeople started coming again to the monastery to listen to the monks pray and to be prayed for. The passionate spirit of prayer returned and spirituality among the, the monks there. Because they began to treat not only one another with respect, but they began to treat God with respect. Joy and stamina and spirit. The miracle was that the Messiah indeed was among them. And being among them, they were all changed. During the toughest of times, let's do good and trust God. Amen. As is our tradition, when a word is offered, a time of invitation and response is given. Today we sing a song about rising up, O saints of God. And I particularly like the second stanza. For God's kingdom's task embrace, redress sin's cruel consequence, and give justice larger place. That's what we intend to do as we sing today. It has four brief stanzas. On the fourth stanza, 
Jordan Clark and the Finance Committee invite you on that fourth stanza to come forward and sit close because the screen is going to be right over here. And so come forward and sit close on the fourth stanza. At this time now, let's stand together and sing. <laughs> seated as you are moving forward. And as our audio and video wranglers are coming, I invite the choir, if you would like to come down, come on down, watch the videos, then we'll send you back for the offertory in just a moment. These are worth seeing because it is Karen Massey, Ken Brandt, and Caitlin Cook Fur speaking to our motto of being inclusive, inquiring, and involved. Jordan Clark, would you come and speak a word as they set this up? And I'm going to take the microphone that I'm holding. On the other hand, I think I'll use this handheld. Jordan, who's the chair of this year's Finance Committee, and his assistant, Jay, today. And uh, if you would say a word to us. Thank you. Uh, we're making uh, good headway on our pledge campaign. Uh, we have 52 uh, contributions so far. Um, that's a good start. We like it. Uh, we need about 30 or 40 more uh, folks to contribute. Um, so the, we're on a good pace, and I think we will get there. Jay has been helping me around the church a little bit lately, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and I wanted to let you know, even if you forget the pledge by the end of this week or so, uh, Jay has volunteered to call anyone who may have forgotten and remind you that we need to get those pledges in. Lots of folks like to give without pledging, and we certainly appreciate that, but I want you to understand that a, a pledge and a commitment really helps us with our planning for the, for the times going forward. So uh, uh, listen out for Jay, and uh, please turn in your pledge. Thank you. All right, thank you, Jordan and Jay. 
Um, and so I wanted you to see this as a congregation and experience it because when I watch it, I just see great joy. Um, these three, these themes, ready to go, Daniel? All right, go for it. I moved to Atlanta in 1982, and I think we joined in 1985. I had a then a long-term companion, and he has since passed away. I was so warmly received here 